<clears throat> Amen. God is good. Now, in those two passages we just read from the Psalms, we are given three levels of expressing adoration to God. <clears throat> they are thanksgiving, praise, and worship. All right? Now, let me tell you the difference between those three because they're distinct. They all have a meaning. Thanksgiving relates to God's deeds, what He has done. So you say, thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, Lord, for providing for me. Thank you for your mercy. Whatever He does, Thanksgiving is when you thank Him for specific acts that God has done on your behalf. That's Thanksgiving. Praise relates to God's character. We praise Him for His excellent greatness. We praise Him that He's the Savior. We praise Him that He's the Holy God. We praise Him that He is sovereign and providential. And, and praise addresses the characteristics of the character of God, who He is. Now, worship is the highest level. Worship relates directly to God's holiness. The Bible says, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. When you read the book of Revelation and you find them worshiping in, in Revelation, they are always worshiping the holiness of God. So that is when we just really go into the highest level and focus on His holiness and we worship Him for that. Now, I want to take the next few weeks and just talk about living in the praise zone. Now, let me give you a little bit of personal testimony about me. I wasn't raised in church, as many of you know. And I was raised in a secular home. I never heard John 3.16 until I was in juvenile home, in a lot of trouble. Got put in juvenile home, and there I heard the gospel. And in juvenile home, I got saved, gave my heart to Christ. But I didn't know anything. I didn't know you ought to be in the Word. I didn't know you ought to be in church. N nobody followed up because they couldn't. So the Holy Ghost had to follow up on me. And he's a good follow-upper. Amen? Now, uh, a couple of years after being in juvenile home, I was invited to a Bible study in East Dallas in a, in a kind of a broken-down two-story house. And when, we walked, or when I walked into the house, I came in. Um, I'd never been to a Bible study in my life. And when I walked in, I was not prepared for what I saw. Because here were a bunch of hippies like me, hair down to here, part down the middle, wild rim glasses, blue jean bell-bottoms. All of you that can relate, say amen. amen. <laughs> Golly, I have no pictures to show you. But I'm standing there, and, and I'm, I'm watching, and I don't know what to do with what I'm seeing, because here's these peers of mine, just like me, but they all have their hands up, and they're all looking like they're staring at the ceiling, but really like they were looking at something beyond the ceiling. And tears were running down the faces of many, and they were just singing simple songs. I, I don't remember exactly, but I'm sure it was, God is so good, He is Lord, and Kumbaya had to be in there. <laughs> and, and so they're, they're singing, and, and they're worshiping, and there was a presence in the room. Well, I watched this, and you know the Bible talks about how God can, can move us intentionally to jealousy when it comes to wanting what He has for us. And 
I prayed a dangerous prayer standing there. Now, I'm a wooden Indian standing there. Here's all these guys, even the guys, hands in the air. I, I didn't know what to do with it. But I'm standing there like a wooden Indian, and I said, I prayed this prayer. I said, Lord, if I can have what they have, I'll give you my life. It was like God said, say it one more time. And I said, God, if I can have what they have, I will give my all to you. And at that moment, now you can call it what you want. You can call it baptism in the Holy Spirit, infilling of the Holy Spirit, anointing of the Holy Spirit, touch of the Holy Spirit. I don't care about the semantics. I only know what happened to me. God made himself real to me. And I'm standing there, and all of a sudden, the power of God fell upon me. And it was like wave after wave of incredible, incomprehensible love. And it just kept getting stronger and stronger until finally I broke away from the group, went out in the front yard, some front yard I'd never been in, 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 the, in the depths of East Dallas. And in that front yard, just out there somewhere in East Dallas, God just really came upon my life. And, and, and I was just blown away. I remember thinking, how can... How come everybody's not saved? This is what it's like. Because his, his presence was so very vividly real. And it kept increasing and kept increasing where I, I just felt like I was going to explode. And it was, as Paul said, the love of God being poured out on my heart by the Holy Ghost that's given to us. It, it just was amazing. Well, at that time, I lived in a little efficiency apartment in Plano, Texas, all by myself, just a little place, just one room. The kitchen and everything was one room. But that little efficiency apartment immediately became my personal sanctuary where I learned how to worship God. You got to understand, no Christian background. I had never been exposed to worship until I went to that meeting. I didn't even know what it was like to sing a hymn to God. But here it was, and I saw this worship. Now, I got a guitar, and I learned how to play guitar because I wanted to worship God. So I learned C, G, and F, and I've told you before, I probably alone was responsible for making heaven sick of kumbaya. <laughs> I mean, I wore that thing out. It's all I knew. Kumbaya, He is Lord, God is so good. And I played it and played it, and sitting in my efficiency apartment, I learned how to worship God. And, and it just became for me a, a pipeline to God. Learning to worship God became the door through which I experienced His call to preach. I wasn't seeking Him about preaching. I was just coming to Him to worship Him. But as I worshiped Him, He began to communicate with me. That's because the Bible says he inhabits, he dwells in, he lives in the praises of his people. That's where God is. And so he began to communicate with me. And it was as I worshiped him that my heart began to experience this burning to preach the word of God. I was seeking the giver, not the gift. And I was enjoying the giver never dreaming he would lay his hand on me to preach, ever. I had stage fright. I wasn't the type to stand up in front of people and look at me now. God did this to me. Okay. (laughs) 
Worship opened the floodgates of the Holy Spirit's presence in my life. Worship transformed my Christian experience. Worship. You know, a lot of people know all about singing about God, but they don't know a whole lot about singing to God. You can sing about Him, or you can learn to direct your faith right up to Him and sing to Him. And this is what began to happen to me. And so i got to tell you, my life changed through worshiping, learning how to worship God. So that's why I'm going to talk to you about living in the praise zone. Now you say, well, what do you mean by zone? Well, we've heard athletes say after a great game, man, I was, I was really in the zone. You know, a football player will be interviewed after a, a game where they really won. And they say, how'd you do it? Man, I was really in the zone. What do they mean by that? Being in the zone means increased focus and attention, which allow for higher levels of performance. So when a when a football player, for instance, says, I was really in the zone, he means my abilities, my capacities, my giftings to play football were at 110% peak capacity. I was thinking, I was reacting, I was responding. I wasn't distracted. I didn't lose my focus. I was totally and completely in the zone. So as it relates to praise, being in the zone means increased focus and attention on praising God, which produces higher levels of power and victory for the believer. See, we ought to leave church saying, man, today I was in the praise zone. My whole attention was on God. My focus was on Him. And I was at peak capacity in my worship of Him. Would you believe me if I told you he wants us to be in the praise zone, not just on Sundays or Saturday nights, but on Monday through Friday. He wants us in the zone. He wants us to learn to praise him. This is only where we learn. Then you go and do it all week long. He wants us in the zone. It'll change your life. You know, the Bible says that God is only seeking for two things. I want you to think, mighty God is on the hunt for two things. He said, I, Jesus said, I came to seek and to save what was lost. That's people. And then Jesus said, God is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and truth. Well, you know what I want? I want God to be able to say, well, I've scanned the whole earth and I have found some places that praise me and Turning Point is one of them. A turning Point praises me. Turning Point is in the praise zone. Turning Point is a worshiping church. Listen, a worshiping church is an alive church. A worshiping church is a victorious church. The devil fears a worshiping church. And I would love to give the devil a coronary in hell. Amen. God has called his church to be a praising people. We are hardwired to worship and praise. Let's go to a rock concert and watch all those people worship that band because there's something in us that just wants to adore and lift up and magnify and worship something greater than ourselves. And there's all kinds of counterfeits. But Jehovah God and His Son Jesus Christ are the ones worthy of our worship. Did you know that in heaven there is round the clock in heaven, unending praise. As a matter of fact, i got news for you. If you don't like worship and praise, you are really going to be uncomfortable in heaven. 
because it is all that goes on in heaven. I, listen, you might as well just get involved down here because once you're up there, you are going to be in a major, long-standing worship time. Let me read it to you. You know, John the Revelator was taken into glory. He saw things that many have never seen. The, the, the curtain is pulled back for us in the book of Revelation, allowing us a glimpse into the reality and the wonders and the glory of the place called heaven. And listen to what John saw in Revelations 4, verse 6. He starts, In the center and around the throne were four living beings, and day after day and night after night they keep on saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the one who was and is and is to come. And then it goes on to say, whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders that are there fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, and they lay their crowns before the throne and they say, you are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory, honor, and power, for you created all things, and they exist because you created what you please. And so you see all of God's created beings worship Him, and God's redeemed worship Him. It is going to be a major worship time in heaven. It's happening right now. Now, I want to make it a little more personal, and I'm going to read to you a, a, another worship session that John saw that all of us who know the Lord are going to be involved in. I'm about to read about a worship session that is coming your way. Are you ready? He says, after this I saw a vast crowd. Now he describes who it is. Too great to count from every nation and every tribe and every people and every language, and that includes Texas, Stand, look what they're doing. Standing in front of the throne and standing in front of the Lamb of God with nail-pierced hands and feet. And it says, this multitude that nobody could even count were clothed in white robes, which means the righteousness given to us by Christ. And they held palm branches in their hands. And they were, listening to what they were doing, shouting with a great roar like Niagara Falls. And what were they shouting? Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living beings, and they fell before the throne with their faces to the ground, and they worshiped God, and they sang. This is the angels now. Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength belong to our God forever and ever. Amen. So worship, praise, thanksgiving. So in heaven, worship is paramount. It's front burner. It's unending, and it's unparalleled. So don't you think we need to warm up here? Because we're all going to be worshiping in glory. Amen? Now, I want you to do something. Picture with me a ladder. Here's a ladder, and there's three steps on this ladder. The first step at the very bottom is thanksgiving. 
The second step is praise. The third step is worship. And at the top of the ladder is the glory and the power and the presence of God. The Bible presents an ascending order in our expression of affection to God. Listen to the way the psalmist put it again. We enter his gates with thanksgiving. And then we go on into the courts with praise. And worship is presented in Scripture as the highest form of adoration to God. So here's the three steps of the ladder. Thanksgiving, praise, worship. And it leads right into the presence of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to practice the presence of God. I want, I want him with me all day, every day. I want, I want to be aware of his presence. The Bible says he lives in and dwells in and abides in the praises of his people. So first, let's take that lower step, the first step, and talk about live, living in the Thanksgiving zone. We talked about Thanksgiving before we have Thanksgiving. The Hebrew word most commonly translated as thanks in the Old Testament is related to the word for hand. So this gives the picture of stretching out or lifting up hands to God. See, it's not just something that Pentecostals do, but it is something that the redeemed do who understand. You say, well, do I have to lift my hands? You don't have to. You get to. Because watch this. Okay? The, the word is when you, the Bible says, lift your, one of the, when you lift your hands to God, it is a sign of surrender. It's a sign of respect. It's a sign of reverence. So here's what I want us to do. Can you lift your hands up? Can you just lift your hands towards the Lord with me and say this with me? Here's the Psalms. Psalm 63, 4. Since our hands are, are lifted, read this with me or, or repeat this with me. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. Now, Psalms 134, verse 2. Let's read further. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. Oh, y'all look so pretty. I wish you could see what I see. Now, let's read 1 Timothy 2, 8. He says, I desire then that in every place men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Amen. Then it says, clap your hands, all you people, shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Amen. Amen. So, oh, they're getting a little wild in here for me. Hey, heaven's going to make this, put this in the shade. Now, you notice he homed in on the men. He said, I desire everywhere that men will lift up their holy hands. Why didn't he say, put the women in there with it? Because women do it so easily. But men, it takes a year to get a guy going half-mast. Because we think, well, that's just a woman thing to do to raise your hands. Let me tell you something. David was a man's man. Real men worship God. They do. <laughs> These guys are God's frozen chosen. They sit there while the music is playing. They don't sing. They don't move. They are like wooden Indians. Loosen up, guys. God has hardwired you to worship God. Amen? Now, what is Thanksgiving? What does it mean? It's very simple. 
Thanksgiving is the grateful acknowledgement of benefits received. It's that simple. Now, you know I like to cycle. Last week I was cycling and I had a flat. It was the back tire. That's the worst of all because then you got to undo the chain and all that stuff. So I was real close to the store where I got my bike anyway. So I just took the bike and asked them to give me a new inner tube. Now, they kid me in this store all the time because for the most part, I don't sense Christianity much in there. So when I come walking in, they call me Father. <laughs> oh, here comes Father. How's the bike ride today, Father Jeff? And I've just gotten to going, oh, it was great, son. God bless you. I, I've decided I'm going to do something. One of these days, I'm going to put a collar on. And I'm going to put on this, one of these long black robes. And I'm going to go in, and I'm going to go up to the main guy that does this all the time, I'm going to say, I had a dream about you last night, son. <laughs> so they gave me the father bit. But they went back there, put the tube in, and brought it out. And, and I said, okay, how, what do I owe you? They said, it's on us, father. <laughs> and do you think that I just said, huh, well, that's what you should have done, and walked out? No, I said... Thank you. That's Thanksgiving. God does things for us all week, all day, every day. It's so easy to pick something God has done and say, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you saved me. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for answering that prayer. The Bible teaches when we should thank God. We should give God thanks before a blessing even comes. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer, which is petition, and supplication, which is asking for mercy, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Well, why the thanksgiving? Because you're, you're, all, you're thanking Him that what you prayed for is on the way. So you're thanking Him before it even arrives you're, you're offering thanksgiving. And we should give thanks during the blessing. While it's happening, acknowledge the God that brought it to you. Thank you, Lord. Here's the answer. Thank you that you brought it my way. And you know what? We ought to thank him after the blessing. Jesus healed 10 lepers who had terminal disease. Terminal disease. 10 of them were healed. One came back and said, thank you. Jesus marveled at that. He said, were there not ten? So we ought to thank Him before it comes, when it comes, and after it comes. In other words, we ought to be thankers. We ought to live in the thanksgiving zone. And the Bible is very clear that being thankful is God's will for every single believer. Listen to what the Bible says, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, not for everything, but in everything, in all circumstances, good, bad, and ugly, think to thank. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit, suggesting that to not be thankful grieves the Spirit. If we don't give thanks to God as believers, we're out of God's will. So we are called and commanded to live in the thanksgiving zone. Now, the psalmist tells us in our text that the first step on the ladder to praise is this. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Now, what does that mean? What are the gates? 
In Old Testament days, the gates are what led the way into the temple. You went through the gates, and then there was the outer courts, and there was the temple, and then the inner courts, and of course, the Holy of Holies. Now, you went through the gates to even get into the temple. The courts were the open spaces that surrounded the temple, and the courts are where the worship took place. The worship didn't happen in the temple. The worship happened in the courts outside the temple. So to get into the courts outside the temple so that you could worship God, you had to enter through the gates. And so essentially, he's telling us and telling Israel how to approach the place of worship. Put another way, how to prep yourself to rightly enter the place of worship. How to be ready in your heart for the worship time that you are there to do and be involved in. They were to enter through those gates with a spirit in a spirit of thanksgiving. We, we could put it this way in our day. They, they, were, they learned how to get ready for church. Now, all of us today woke up and we thought, okay, what am I going to wear at church? What am I going to get dressed for church? Now, every week, Kathy and I have this. She said, what, do you, what, what did you wear last week? And I said, I don't remember. She said, well, I do. Here's what you're wearing today. And, you know, so here I am. So but we, we think, i got to get dressed for church, but let's take it a step further. The Bible talks not only about getting dressed physically for church, but getting dressed in your heart, dressed spiritually, preparing yourself to enter through the gates and into the courts so that you can have a great worship session. Israel... And we are to walk through the gates. Now, we would call the gates the church doors. There's the gates. There's the gates. And on the south end is the gates. We are to learn how to get ready for church and to walk into church having been in the presence of God and having thanked Him. Now, Kathy and I learned way on, early on, that the devil attacks you on the way to church. When we were raising our kids, and one of them's here, but here I go, I'm going to tell on them anyway. We had so many spats on the way to church, me and Kathy and our kids. And we were driving along, and we would hear from the back seat, Mom, Julia hit me, kicked me, and spit on me. And Julia would say, no, I didn't. Jeremy would say, yes, I did. And Julia would say, well, I didn't mean it. How do you kick, hit, and spit on somebody and don't mean it? Now, then I would look back and I would say, okay, kids, quit fighting. Kathy, Jeff, don't raise your voice. I'm not raising my voice. I'm speaking with authority. <laughs> and, and all this going on, and we drive up to church, and I'm the preacher. <laughs> and you get out, you get out of church, or you get out of the car, somebody comes up to you and says, how you doing, pastor? Oh, Blessed, highly favored, anointed, hallelujah, kumbaya, hallelujah. But all the way here, see, we learned you got to get the jump on the devil. He'll attack you Saturday night, the night before church. He'll attack you on the way to church. Now, how many of you can identify with the story I just told? Oh, there's very few halos out there. Israel learned, I want you to enter 
through the gates with thanksgiving. All of our musicians tune their instruments before they come out on stage. Guitars all tuned every single time. Why? If they didn't tune the instruments, you would hear discordant sounds, clashing sounds, off-key. We'd make a joyful noise, but nobody would like it. In the same way, you've got to tune your heart on the way to church because you know what that does? It postures you for a maximum experience in worship. Enter through the gates with thanksgiving and then come on into the courts and offer your praise and worship. So there is a way to get ready for church. So can I encourage you next week, remember this message and get into the car. And if you got kids with you, say, all right, kids, what can we thank God for? All right, honey, what can we thank God for? Let's thank God all the way to church. And think, imagine 2,000 people walking through the church doors having already had a Thanksgiving session. We get in here and blow the roof off because everybody would be spirit-filled. <laughs> Instead of what some people do, Pastor, you better preach me up. I've had a bad week. Now, there's a second aspect of living in the Thanksgiving zone, and it has to do with our daily walk with God, away from church. When you get up tomorrow morning, you head to work where all the lost people are and the dirty jokes and the cursing and the godlessness. I pray for you. I do. Because it's a tough world to walk into. But if you start your day with Thanksgiving, you are already walking out the door in the presence of God. Let me tell you something real important about Thanksgiving. The second thing it does, it delivers us from a complaining spirit. A complaining spirit is the opposite of a thanking spirit. It is so easy to be a complainer. And there are people who, no matter what happens, the cup is always half empty. You can stand on your head and spit nickels and do cartwheels, and that person is still not going to be happy. They're going to find something wrong with 10 things that are right. The, the cup is always half empty. They're a complainer. A complaining spirit is the opposite of a thanking spirit. Now listen, to the same degree a thanking spirit will bless you, a complaining spirit will literally hurt you. The word complaining means to express negative feelings of displeasure, dissatisfaction, or resentment. And here's the synonyms. Grouchy, grumble, whine, gripe, and bellyache. When you see a complainer coming, you look for the nearest exit. Because a complainer has turned their tongue into a shovel that digs their own grave and they lie down in it. The, the antonyms of, com, of complaining are, that is the opposite of complaining, are to applause, to be content, to be happy, to praise, and to approve. Now let me ask you a question. Who would you rather go on vacation with? A complainer or a thanker? The thanker. The complainer is always, are we having fun yet? The thanker says, hallelujah, it may be raining, but I'm not at work. (laughs) 
Here's what Paul said. He said, and don't complain, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now back up. Hit pause. When I read that, I think surely he meant to say those who fell into sexual sin or those who murdered or those who did something really heinous. But no, he says, by complaining, the destroyer got into their life and destroyed, destroyed them. Now, he says, these things happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. What time is it right now? It is the end of the age. These things were written for us, that we would not complain and give the destroyer an opening into our life. That's, that's heavy stuff. Now, Numbers 11, verse 1 says, describes what they did as they crossed the wilderness. The people were assailing the Lord with complaints and bemoaning their hard lot. The Lord was roused to anger when he heard it. It's amazing. These people, they blow me away. As a matter of fact, I counted in numbers that, that chronicles their journey across the wilderness. Six major times the contagion of complaining struck them and they majorly complained against the Lord six times. One of them is, is a mind blower. There were three men who were leaders of the leaders, creme de la creme, the top of the pack of leaders of Israel as they crossed the wilderness, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Korah, Dathan, and Abiram one day decided they would approach Moses. And they looked at Moses, and Korah said to Moses, he said, who do you think you are? Now, right there, the man is stuck on stupid because he's talking to a guy whose face glows in the dark. Okay? This is Moses. He says, who do you think you are? We hear God just like you. We talk for God. We speak for God. Why are you putting yourself above us? Oh, gosh. And Moses says, really? Well, Let's meet tomorrow at the tent of meeting. You bring, you guys show up and bring your family and bring your stuff and we'll, we'll have a little meeting at the tent of meeting. Okay, because God will surely stand with us. Moses shows up and Moses lifts his hands and he says, God, if I have spoken your word, then let the earth open up. <laughs> it's true. And swallow these men whole. While he's speaking, and it closes over them. Now, if I'm there and I've been anywhere near that complaining spirit, I am on the ground. You're the leader. You're the leader. You're the leader. But do you know what they did? The very next day after seeing this incredible, horrific event, they complained again. Six times in the book of Numbers, they did this. The sixth time, God came down, said to Moses, count them, and every man 20 years and over will not cross over the Jordan into the promised land. Their kids are going to go over. The second generation is going to go over. 
But the first generation is going to die in the wilderness. And you know what did it? Complaining. Not being thankful. So this first generation wandered around for about 37 years. Did this, did that, just waiting to die. I've often wondered what it was like when the last one was dying. How many people were around him? Come on, come on, it's your time, come on. We want to cross over. It was the second generation that crossed over. It's amazing to think that complaining did it. But being thankful is part and parcel of what empowers us to enter into the promises of God. Living in the thanksgiving zone will position you to inherit the promises. Now, what camp do you fall in? Are you grouchy, grumpy, whiny, or are you content, happy, and thankful? Say, well, Pastor, I'm kind of a mix of both. I'm a mix of both. I work on not complaining. I can't say I don't complain at least in rush hour traffic. I have to really fight it. What were those city fathers thinking when they made two lanes for a major city? I talk to them. They don't hear me, but I talk to them. But I work on saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're good. Where would I be without you? Where would I be if your grace hadn't touched me? I don't even like to think about it. I want us to stand together, can we? And please, as little movement as possible, because we're going to pray a real important prayer. As a matter of fact, we're going to practice just for a moment, what we just learned. Let me summarize. Openly thanking God is how we get dressed for church. Second, thanking God is the first step into His presence. Third, thanking God protects us from the damage of a complaining spirit. And last, thanking God positions us to enter into our promised land. So could I ask you to do something? Let's just show and tell. Let, let's practice for a minute because we're going to be doing it for eternity anyway. So can I ask you, let's put our hands up in the air. Bless the Lord. Now I want you to think of three things God has done for you. Just think of three things. And as Heidi begins to sing, we begin to sing this song about thanking God. I want you to name those things in particular to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.